To worship at First United Methodist Church here in Martinsville, Virginia. I'm Elizabeth Foss, the pastor here at First Church, and we are delighted to gather together with you in worship this morning. It is a pleasure to welcome you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome. Let us join responsively in reading our call to worship. As a shepherd seeks a lost sheep, so God seeks and saves the lost. Like a woman who searches for a lost coin until it is found, so God rejoices over one soul restored to wholeness. As a father receives a returning wayward son, so God welcomes us and lets the past be the past. Therefore, let us praise God in thanksgiving that we are received. Let us receive and welcome and rejoice over one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. 
unite our hearts and voices in our opening prayer. Most compassionate God, we thank you that you have come to us in Jesus Christ, sharing our common lot. As the shepherd seeks a lost sheep, you seek us when we wander. Finding us, you receive us with rejoicing. Since you have claimed us, fill us with your spirit, that we might be channels of your tender care for those who are brokenhearted or wandering. Amen. Thank you for joining me for the children's time. We're in my office this morning. The um, office doesn't look like it's going to look eventually. Uh, right now all of my things are in storage until September, but um, because I do not have all of the stuff that I normally have uh, for my desk, all of my supplies and all of my books, I've been really relying on Karen Turney, who is our business manager, uh, to find me things that I need. And so today we're talking about lost and found, and Karen is a finder. Everything that I've needed, like I needed some scissors. She found me some scissors. My computer mouse did not work because it needed a battery. She found me a battery. I needed a black Sharpie, so she brought me a black Sharpie. And everything I asked for, she found for me. Everything. So I thought, Maybe I'll be a little tricky. Maybe I'll ask her for something hard to find, and then we'll see what happens. So I emailed her and I said, Karen, I need some pink flamingos. Can you find me some pink flamingos? And then I didn't hear from her for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I thought, I finally done it. I finally stumped her. She is not going to find me pink flamingos. And then all of a sudden, she peeked around the door, the corner of the door, and brought me pink flamingos. Two pink flamingos. So these now live in my office. I have named them Fred and Ginger. Um, and, and what I've learned is that you never play hide and seek with Karen because she always wins. But the good thing is, um, here in the church office, I know that that's, being found is an easy thing to be because she can find anything. I'm sure that uh, in today's parables, Jesus was talking with people who sometimes felt lost. And sometimes we feel lost too. We may lose something or someone who is valuable to us, and that makes us feel kind of lost. Or we may not really know where we're going, or we may feel very alone and, uh, and just kind of out of sorts. And... And I think these parables really speak to us about how Jesus always comes looking for us. Uh, when I first came to Martinsville, I felt a little bit lost. I've only been here a couple of weeks, and uh, I don't know anybody here. I moved to Martinsville not knowing one single person in Martinsville. And, um, and so I, I talked with God about that, and I said, I, I just feel a little bit lost, a little bit alone. And... And God answered my prayer in a couple of different ways. Uh, God sent Kathy Dietrich to me. Kathy Dietrich uh, came and we drove all over the place. We drove to Bassett. We drove down to 20. We drove down 58. She helped me to find uh, my way, 
like if I want to go to Roanoke, I know which way to go now. And if I want to go to Greensboro, I know which way to go. And if I want to go to Danville, I know which way to go. And she showed me where important things are, like the hospital, in case I need to visit someone there, and some of the nursing homes, in case I need to visit folks there, and uh, important places like Dippers, uh, because sometimes we need to go there. Um, so that was one of the ways that God answered my prayer about feeling a little bit lost. Another way was through Corky Corcoran and Judy Corcoran. Um, I lived in my last place where I served Cherrydale United Methodist Church for nine years. That's the longest I've ever lived any place in my entire life. And I loved being at Cherrydale. I loved the people of Cherrydale and I miss them very much. I imagine when Pastor Keith wakes up in the morning, he misses you very much. We fall in love with the churches we serve and the people that we're privileged to be around. So I was missing the folks at Cherrydale and, and talked with God about that and God sent Corky Corcoran into my life and Judy Corcoran into my life. Uh, Cork, um, Corky served as the director of music at Cherrydale, my previous, my previous church, uh, before, I, before I was there. But it meant that we knew a lot of people in common, and so did Judy. Um, and so we were able to talk about the people that we love and miss from there. And that just made me feel more connected and a little le less lost because we're all part of one big flock. And that's really the point of the parables that we are talking about in today's worship service. When we feel lost and when we feel alone, Jesus wants us to know that, that he's always searching for us, always wanting to find us, always wanting to bring us into the fold and into relationship, and that we really ultimately are never alone. Blessings to you. I hope you have a great week. Will you pray with me? Oh God, you know us better than we know ourselves. As the scriptures are read, we will listen for your voice. By your spirit, lead us out of our fears and into the knowledge of your love. Through Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of our souls. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is found in the 29th chapter of Genesis, beginning with the 15th verse. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were lovely, and Rachel was graceful and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years, for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that you, than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. 
and he went into her. Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her maid. When morning came, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, This is not done in our country, giving the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also, in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the 13th chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the 31st verse. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. Then he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. A pastor in Bethesda, Maryland, who once talked about going through a process of vocational testing in her 20s, told a story about taking a Rorschach test. Um, so she found herself in a psychologist's office looking at a succession of ink blots that were printed on small white cards. You're supposed to take each card and look at it and then tell the psychologist what it is that you see. The first image that emerges in your mind's eye. So the pastor dutifully responded to about 25 of these ink blots. And when she was done, the psychologist who had been testing her paused and said, you're the first person I've ever tested who took the cards and held them exactly as they were when I handed them to you. You didn't turn the card upside down or sideways. You didn't look at it from various angles or possibilities. And then she said, do you think that maybe that's the way you approach life? Taking each day as it is handed to you, accepting all of the shoulds and oughts and the right way of doing things. Perhaps you might want to start exercising your imagination a little bit more, and you might find new angles for interpreting the world. 
Well, the psychologist's words had a strong effect on the pastor, and they have had since that day. And I think that really that is what the parables in today's gospel lesson are meant to do for us. After all, Jesus closes the litany of images by saying, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Some of the lessons in these parables are old in the sense that they've been around for a long time, but they're still very serviceable in communicating the truth to us. Some of the lessons in the parables are new in the sense that they turn our conventional wisdom on its head. The treasure in these parables comes from both old and new. From old and ordinary images and words comes surprising new meaning for understanding the nature of God's kingdom. Now we've talked about the three, the three of these parables in Matthew's gospel over the last few weeks. They've been our, our scripture lesson from the gospel. And today we get five more, which again are all parables about the kingdom of heaven. The Episcopal priest and author Barbara Brown Taylor says that every act of faith is an act of the imagination. Isn't that wonderful? Every act of faith is an act of the imagination. I think it's a wonderful statement. And parables offer us a wonderful opportunity to exercise our imaginations, to look twice at reality, to turn those Rorschach inkblots around in our hands looking for new angles and new possibilities. These particular parables of Jesus are an invitation for us to use our imaginations to look twice in order to recognize God's sometimes hidden, often surprising, and yet steady presence in our lives. Remember that when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he doesn't mean the future. He's not talking about life after death. In Jesus' ministry, the kingdom has been inaugurated, although it is not yet seen in its fullness. So it's both revealed and concealed. And it invites our actions. Parables both reveal and conceal, and they invite our action. In the parables in today's gospel lesson, Jesus tells us stories that offer us glimpses of the holy in the human, of the miraculous in the mundane, of the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. He talks about things that were well known to his hearers, seeds and bread dough and fishing nets and weeds and pearls. He talks of practices that were well known to them, of planting seed and digging in a field and baking bread and fishing, common practices which become uncommon in the results they produce. A mustard seed or a handful of yeast aren't really much to look at, they're not very impressive, but if you give them something to work on, if you sow the seed, if you mix the yeast with flour, then the results can be astounding. A tree that's big enough for birds to nest in and bread enough to feed a family for a month. He takes us into the kitchen and into the garden, into the wheat field and to the, to the seashore, and there in those ordinary and familiar places, he shows us God. Now imagine the surprise of a farmer who plants seed every day only to discover that one seed has produced not just a very small 
usually small bush, but a huge tree, or the shock of a workman who knows every square inch of a field he has plowed for years, but one day stumbles upon a great treasure in that familiar field. Time after time in these parables, there's an unexpected surprise in the midst of everyday tasks. And so these are parables that really challenge us to keep our eyes and our minds and our hearts open because we never know where or how or when God's surprising grace will erupt right into the midst of the ordinariness of life. Like the characters that go and sell all they have for a field with buried treasure or a pearl of great value, God at times calls us to decisive, sometimes risky, sometimes extravagant action. And sometimes, even when we don't see it, even when we don't get it, as in the parable of the net, we are somehow scooped up and hauled into the light. Maxie Dunham tells a story about William Randolph Hearst, the famous newspaper owner who, who viewed a painting and he really liked it and he really wanted the original. And so he hired a detective to look for it. When the detective returned, he brought news that he had found the painting. He had found the painting in one of Hearst's own warehouses. Hearst had no idea that he already owned what he so desired. Today's parables suggest the same thing to us, that we look desperately for God only to discover that God has always been there in the warehouses of our own experiences. Today's parables speak so profoundly to where we find ourselves right now. Like the farmer plowing a field that he has known and plowed for years, we look to situations where we have become accustomed to their reality, and it's hard to see hidden promise, but it is there. Quickly, let us talk about each of these parables in turn. The first is the mustard seed parable, which is so familiar to us that it, we, we may not realize that it describes something that really isn't relatable to anything in our natural world. Jesus has claimed that the kingdom of heaven is like the mustard seed that grows into a tree is actually a kind of strange statement. It would be like saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a rhododendron sapling that grows into a great white oak. A mustard seed does not grow into a tree of any kind, let alone a great tree that would offer shelter and shade. Actually, a mustard seed only naturally grows into a plant that is about four or six feet high and is more bush-like than tree-like. Jesus' statement doesn't really make sense because mustard seeds don't grow into big trees. And similarly, the kingdom of heaven is, an, is unnatural. Like the mustard seed, the kingdom of heaven is rooted in the earth. It is born of the earth, but its full fruition comes through the great glory and unnatural power of God. With the parable of the unleavened bread, the yeast is likewise surprising. The act of a woman kneading yeast into bread dough is an ordinary event, but in this parable, it is made extraordinary in the telling because some of the elements are surprising. The quantity of flour she uses is huge. Three measures is close to 10 gallons, enough to make bread for a small village. The other surprising thing is that she does not knead the bread into the dough. 
the Greek tells us that, that she hid the yeast in the bread dough, a reading that is obscured both uh, by the New Revised Standard Version and the New International Version translations, which say that she mixed in the yeast. There are available words for mix or knead that the translators wouldn't have tripped over. It seems intentional that the word for hides is used and suggests an understanding about how the kingdom is at work. It is hidden, but it is, it is, it is actively spreading its effect and outcome. It is important to keep in mind here that these parables are about the kingdom and not about the church. Their meaning is not that the meager efforts of the church will bear great fruit. There are parables of hope for the church that they are parables of hope for the church that even when the kingdom seems hidden or dependent on meager beginnings and resources, it is nevertheless at work and will reach its fullness in due time. The remaining three parables concern God's judgment as a part of the coming kingdom. The parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl suggests that the kingdom of heaven is like not the treasure or the merchant, but the entire situation that is described. When it is clear where true value lies, the, the protagonist does everything possible and necessary to secure the prize. It is an ad admonition to total commitment for the sake of the kingdom. The parable uses verbs like finds and sells and buys, suggesting an active response for the hearers of this parable. Finally, we have the parable of the net in which a large net brings in a great catch of fish, some good and some bad. Actually, the word used is rotten, not often used to describe fish that have just been caught. It is a word used in scripture to describe those who bear bad fruit and corrupt the kingdom. At any rate, a sorting operation is, is required of this great catch of fish, but that isn't the job of the fish. Like last week's parable of the wheat and the weeds, the message is that God will take care of separating those who are righteous from those who are not. Our only concern is for our own faithfulness and faithful response. Remember that in today's parables, there is a lot of action involved, a lot of doing, planting seed, adding yeast to flour, plowing fields, looking for treasure, casting a net. With a little bit of courage and a lot of imagination, looking twice at the world all around us, we can find God in the midst of the very ordinary stuff of our lives. Then we can mix that holy presence into the stuff of which this world is made, watching as the living spirit of God leavens the loaf and becomes the bread of abundant life. This is good news for us this day. May we hear it. May we respond to it with faith and without fear. Thanks be to God. Amen. Oh. Uh -huh.
Will you join me in affirming your faith with the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now with the boldness of children of God, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
And now may you go forth in peace to love and to serve God and your neighbor in all that you do. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. God bless. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Cinderella story, out of nowhere, a former greenskeeper now about to become the master's champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole!